This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey everyone, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Welcome to the new Lakers season. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our special sponsor, Interlude Active. Interlude Active is a retreat brand that will be holding a retreat in Redondo Beach, California this November 1st through the 4th. If you're interested in a wellness and fitness retreat that provides you with a number of different classes, from yoga classes to circuit training classes to physical therapy seminars and even a cooking demo, visit interludeactive.com. Use promo code Lakers Legacy Pod to get 20% off your retreat package. Definitely check that out, interludeactive.com. And now we turn you over to our regularly scheduled Lakers Legacy Podcast episode. Last summer, you had this renewed appreciation from watching your boys, being around them with AAU. Was there any moments like that that you had approaching this this year? Yeah, I think it was uh, when I decided to come here. You know, um, just the excitement just to say, like, while you're a Laker, you know, um, and, and like I stated, the first question is just like, you know, being a Cowboy, being a Yankee, it's like you be a Laker, you you not only get a sense of pride for yourself and the decision that you made, you also feel a lot of the spirits and a lot of the, the good juju that came with people that came before you. you. You look at, I mean, some of the great historical performances by some of the greats. Obviously, I'm sitting next to one of them and, you know, I got magic upstairs. And, and, and so it's like. What more can you ask for as a competitor and as a champion myself to want to be around champions and be able to bounce great moments off each other? I mean, I think that's um, that that excitement right there was my moment this summer. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's training men. Hallelujah. It's training men. Amen. 
The Lakers season is finally here, folks, and we've got more thrust, we've got more fanny packs, and we've got some young, hungry cats ready to become full-maned lions. But most importantly, we've got the lion. And I'm not talking about Snoop Lion. I'm talking about LeBron freaking James in his purple and gold uniform, and what a sight it was. And also what a sound it was. What a sounds it was as the young cubs were practicing their lion roars, I guess. Alan, your thoughts on those lion roars that were happening intermittently throughout people's interviews today at Lakers Media Day. And uh, I guess who had the best roar? I don't even know who the hell was roaring, but I know during Kyle Kuzma's interview with James Worthy and Geeter, he thought it was Mo, and he was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a German roar, you know? And then it turned out to be Michael Beasley, so then every time I heard it after th- after that, I just thought it was Beasley the entire time. Um, I thought the reactions to the roaring was funnier than the roaring itself. I can't. I think it was Zubots. He's like... It's either him or Mo just couldn't stop laughing in the middle of one of their interviews. So that's the first time I've ever heard any of those during media day. So either the microphones are extra sensitive or, um, yeah, they just got, got carried away with this yelling motif. But I can't wait to hear all these guys roaring like that all season. <laughs> yeah, it was some strange ambient noise, but I will say Michael Beasley's roar was, was pretty ferocious. Because I guess the Lakers are finna beast mode this year, apparently. Tommy, what were your thoughts on the... Uh... The roaring. And are, are, are the young cubs ready to become lions, I guess? I think the young cubs are ready to become king of the jungle. Jonathan, thank you for asking for my opinion. That is where I stand on that matter. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Guys, we are here. We have made it. It's lit. The Lakers se- it's lit. The Lakers season has begun. Training camp is tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am, of course, joined by the whole Lakers Legacy Podcast crew with Alan Riley, Tommy Alexander, and we are strapped and lit for your 2018-19 regular season. Um, Alan, when's the last time you were this excited for a Lakers media day with this amount of hype and buildup? And I guess just what was your visceral feeling coming into this <laughs> it's gonna be so stupid to say but like last year okay <laughs> i feel like i was like super excited last year because of like all the young guys and uh i feel like the year before that i was pretty damn excited too um well let's talk about expectation in terms of oh, okay. i mean for us as lakers fans we're always going to be lit and hyped no matter what just because we're that invested but obviously this year it was kind of like that Tiger Woods footage, that video of Tiger Woods coming down and everybody, oh, so you know, following him. That that's what it felt like to have LeBron James in the fold. Um, so I guess in that sense, when's the last time we had this much hype on a national level? Probably Kobe's last year playing, because I feel like even before that, when we were like title contenders. Media Day wasn't covered nearly the way it is now. Like, there was no Laker channel. You know what I mean? Like, on Fox Sports West, I, I'm pretty sure none of this stuff really existed. The only interviews you would see would be on, like, Sports Center or, like, your late local news. So, um, probably Kobe's last, his retirement season, I would say. But in terms of, like, expectations, like you said, I mean, for Media Day, I, I honestly can't remember. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't as good of a fan or something, but I can't recall. Dwight Howard. Yeah, Dwight Howard. Six about okay. six years ago, two thousand twelve. God, that's an eternity. <laughs> Dwight Howard and Steve Nash, right? Yeah, this is gonna be fun. And I repressed that. <laughs> this is gonna be fun. Yeah, Tommy. Same question for you in terms of did it feel different this time around? Uh, because I think for me, I was super lit 
but it also felt oddly familiar and comfortably familiar, actually, like we've been here before and we have, which I think is an awesome full circle kind of deal where coming out of these last five or six years or so to find ourselves right back in a place where all the hype and hoopla and crazy personalities, they all just kind of perfectly fit in again. And the world makes sense for us as Lakers fans. I don't know if you felt that. No, I definitely did. I, I was going to say for sure for me, the last time I felt like like this excited and or lit about a, a media day was probably Dwight Howard, Steve Nash here. Um, I'm excited every year, just in general, just because it's fun. You know, things are changing. Um, I mean, we had some really bad teams over the years, and I was still, like, excited to see, you know, what was uh, Julius Randle's first year? What was he going to say? You know, and stuff like that. Um, even last year, I will say that, and this is like the running meme or joke or whatever it is on Twitter, right? That every single media day is the day where every single team in the NBA thinks to themselves, wow, our guys are extra hungry this year. Our guys came in in the best shape they've ever been in. This is our year. You know, like every team in a way thinks that I'd like to think that although we have our Lakers Homer glasses on, um, Previous years, I think we've been pretty level-headed. Um, I do remember last year saying it's all about incremental improvements and we're probably going to be a bottom 10 team in the NBA, but the goal is to be in the top part of the bottom 10, which is actually right where we ended up. Um, and and so every year, so I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is like I feel like although we were pretty lit last year too, just with Lonzo and Kuzma and all these new guys coming in, um, we also tried to be somewhat level-headed this year though. It, things really do feel different. I, I don't think the goal, despite what the media might think is to make the playoffs. I don't think the goal is to make the playoffs as like a four to eight seed. I think the goal is to make the playoffs as a top seed. And I think we legitimately can. And I think everybody in the organization from the front office to the coach, uh, the coaches to the, players on the team like everybody seems to think that we have this in in us and weirdly although we're the lakers and we're always in the spotlight it seems like people are kind of overlooking us um in that respect and frankly we don't there's not a reason that people should be giving us more hype than we deserve but i think this season just the tone of everybody and the way that they were acting and the way that this whole off season is gone it, it seems like there's this quiet confidence about everybody and they're it just feels like they're waiting for the chance to step out there and show everybody what they've all been working on this whole summer is like a grand reveal and i think we could see that as early as like sunday to be honest yeah for sure uh, yeah the first preseason game is this sunday september 30th against the denver nuggets and we're going to get into more of our thoughts on the sights and sounds and observations for media day again for me obviously it felt different because we haven't been in this place for since 2012 pretty much so it's been a good six years but kind of when we settled into everything it did feel familiar it felt good it felt right it, it harkened back to those random days where you know Michael Beasley Rajon Rondo JaVale McGee there's they were like those random veterans that we just pick up who used to be good and, and some of these guys are actually still good but they remind me of like Anton Jameson or anybody that we pick up in the offseason to round out our roster because we had Lamar Odom, Ron Artest, Pau Gasol. Obviously, it's different. The dynamic's different in terms of having these young core guys being some of the elite players. But just the LeBron James factor of everything, for me, 
it felt like we were back to those Kobe Bryant days. With that said, we're, like I mentioned, we're going to get to more of our observations on Lakers media day and what caught our eye. And then shortly after that, we're going to transition into talking about rotational minutes, um, also predicting the biggest Lakers storyline this season, how well we see the Lakers doing through the first half of the season. And then if we have time, we'll also talk about some Jimmy Butler Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant stuff. And by the time this episode airs, Jimmy Butler may have already been traded to the Miami Heat, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who knows? Um, But yeah, we'll get to that as well as at the end, talk about Luke Walton and whether he's prepared for this moment as well. Uh, But before all that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes because the more you rate and interview us, That's how many times the Lakers haters will continue to give off that stupendously awkward and horrific robotic Kawhi Leonard laugh this season as they realize that the joke's on them and that we, as Lakers fans, have got the last laugh. So please rate and review us on iTunes for more awkward Kawhi laughs from haters eating crow this season. Um, Also, thanks to everyone who's recently been rating and reviewing us. Uh, We read all of these reviews and we will resume reading them on air with your favorite Lakers impressions and even some new Lakers impressions very soon. Speaking of Kawhi laughs, though, Alan Riley, here's your moment. Dude, it's so scary. It is the scariest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and it sounded just like that. You know, you guys just got, I don't know, man. You guys ask me some different questions throughout the year, you know, about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It, it kind of sounds like they should use that in a horror movie trailer. And at the very end, <laughs> and it'd be very fitting. It's um, pretty demented. I have a completely different view of this guy now, dude. It's crazy how one like little soundbite has completely changed my view on this man. Yeah, seriously. Um, so yes, please rate and review us on iTunes for that reason. Also, if you're feeling generous and would like to donate any amount of money to our little independent cause here, you can do so at patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Even a dollar helps. All right, Tommy, let's talk about some sights and sounds. And obviously, we don't have to go through each player and every cool thing or stupid thing or funny thing that they said. But I guess to you at the forefront of all this, what stuck out to you the most about uh, this Lakers media day? The thing that stood out to me the most, and I don't, I still don't know if this is a guy, you guys probably know what I'm about to say because I I feel like I've been talking about this all day uh, with various people. But the thing that stood out to me the most, and I don't know if it's a good or bad thing is Lonzo ball and the way that he looks. Um, This guy is, like, massive, dude. I I was, like, it's just entranced me, to be honest with you. I have have no idea. Exactly. (laughs) I have no idea if this is a good... I mean, obviously, it's... It can't be too bad of a thing. I mean, his biggest weakness, or one of his biggest weaknesses last year, was his strength. He was getting, like, punted all over the court, like... Besides, like, the most obvious point was when he was driving to the rim and he just couldn't finish at the rim. Uh, That was the most obvious example of his poor strength last year. But also on the perimeter, I mean, guys would just... He he could get around screens and with his quickness and all this and that, but he would get pushed around on the perimeter pretty easily, too. Um, So strength was the thing that he really needed to upgrade. 
But he looks enormous now, dude. I mean, he this guy <laughs> looks like he put he put on a solid fifteen or twenty pounds of muscle, like all in the upper body. He he looks like a linebacker. I mean, or like a safety or so. He, he's yeah. he's a huge. He just looks so big, and I mean, that's all. It's all good if if uh, he still has this quickness. Um, but that's really, and I know there's so much positivity and, and amazing things to look at, but I know you guys are probably going to talk about Kuzma and not some of the other cool storylines from today, but I, I, that, that was like alarming and, and I just bring it up because I don't know, like I said, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing. I remember when Kobe Bryant, like the, before memes were a thing on the internet, but, uh, people always used to talk about Kobe Bryant and off-season pictures on, uh, you know, online Lakers forums, and people would say, like, oh, is he looking big? He looks like he got bigger. He looks like he got bigger in this, <laughs> you know, like, finding random photos that they would take over the course of the summer. And it was always viewed as, like, this super positive, like, oh, he's been working super hard. And so I, I just don't know in this case. Uh, I know he was working out of the facility. I know that they're, all of their diets and all of that stuff, they, they try to regulate as much as possible or as much as the players want them to. Um, so everybody there was aware that he was putting on all this weight over the summer. So I'm sure they had like a good plan in place and they, you know, put it on in the right way. And he did hopefully didn't lose too much of his other, you know, attributes that make him so good, like namely his speed. Um, but yeah, that, that was really every time the camera cut and Lonzo was in the background or I, like everything, <laughs> I just couldn't pay attention to anything, dude, because he looks so different. I was like, is that Leangelo? Like, who is that? Over there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did have some solid gains this off season because he was rehabbing his knee. So he had a lot of time to work on his upper body and he looks good. Um, Alan, what about you? What stood out to you in this Lakers media day? Yeah. Um, couple different things i mean obviously everybody's heaping praise on kuzma and um probably one of the guys who endorsed him the most was rondo of course when he said uh there's this one time when practice was being filmed and kuzma sent him some clips from that practice and and asked rondo like super late at night it's like hey am i doing it right you know at this point whatever you kind of told me to do is this the way to do it and this is when again rondo was at the desk with um james worthy and geeter and he made like the the gesture that he started to tear up when um he he realized like you know kuzma this second year player is reaching out to me about this type of detail so that's the kind of guy that uh i think you know rondo is obviously it's like a man after his own heart kind of thing and Rondo wasn't the only one who was saying all these positive things about Kuzma. We've been hearing about it all summer long, but to hear little, um, you know, anecdotes here and there, very like specific stories was obviously like making all of our Laker purple golden hearts, like swell with pride. <laughs> and um, I guess the other thing that stood out to me was Brandon Ingram and really just like his confidence when he was speaking, mm. he's like a completely freaking different person, dude. I it agree was with that. I night agree with that. and day. Yeah. I'm like, who, who is this guy? Like, a, like yeah, just a super adult all of a sudden. Oh my God. He just matured like seven years or something. He seems like he's, been a vet you know like he's like 30 years old and it's crazy i mean i don't know if there's like any one thing you can attribute it to other than him just feeling a level of comfort maybe him surrounding himself with certain people they they've really empowered him you know and i mean ultimately it's just maturity and we have no idea what a really um you know point towards that but 
that was a extremely pleasant surprise. I was not expecting that whatsoever. And, you know, I, I got to think that there's a positive correlation with how he presented himself today and what his game is going to look like throughout the season. So that that really piqued my interest. No, yeah, I agree. There were, there were a lot less, uh, well, of course. There were like none, and, uh, you know, not well, one. Course, he was so and, personable. Uh, yeah. He gave some very thoughtful answers, and it almost sounded like he's been spent. He spent the off season with Rajon Rondo, who mm. you know, Rajon Rondo. Every every answer he gives, you kind of just want to tune in because the dude, you can you can see the gears in his head spinning anytime he speaks because you know he's going to spit out something um, poignant. Bi's like a fourth year in college right now, right? He twenty one. Yes, this would be his fourth it's year crazy. in college. Yeah, so you know, kind of makes sense too. Just growing up yeah that's true uh tommy what are your thoughts on lebron james so he's pretty good i wanted to (laughs) well i mean i wanted to break up what he talked about this uh media day in terms of one let's start with your thoughts on lebron james clearing the air on why he came to los angeles uh, apart from the business opportunities and whatnot and anything else that you picked out from his um interview yeah, so I th- I mean it's it should be obvious. It's sad that this is not obvious to everybody, right? At this stage still, but and we said from the beginning we think that LeBron is going to come to the Lakers because of you know, a variety of reasons, one of which is his business and off-court interests and post-career interests. That is by no means, you know, a suggestion that that's the only reason he's going to come. But for some reason people just it's like people have a hard time. There's like a psychological, you know, theory or concept about this. Maybe Alan is what I'm talking about. But it's like when you think something is going to happen for a certain reason and then it happens for not that. Or no, you think that like not, that th- th- this thing is not going to happen and then it happens. And then you just start rationalizing excuses for why it happened. And I feel like that's just what everybody's doing. Oh, well... I didn't know he was only going to come for his business reasons. I thought he was serious about basketball, you know, but no, that's not the only reason he came. Right. And I think he's done a very good job, especially the last few, few days of setting, clearing the air with that thing that stood out to me the most about LeBron that I guess I just haven't noticed because I, I watch his games. Obviously I've watched a ton of his games over the years, but I don't really listen to his interviews and, and stuff like that. And Man, it's like watching Kobe kind of, yeah. isn't it? He's like <laughs> yep. so serious. Like I I was like blown away. Surly. Like he doesn't he's super surly, dude. That one guy asked him a question about <laughs> how he's going to balance his on-court and off-court interests and he just like shot him down <laughs> so hard. And frankly, that guy deserved it cuz that was a stupid question. Yeah, but stupid. Like, yeah, idiot. Um, but uh, I mean, stupid question, uh, idiotic question. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I, I I did not know that he was like that, and I thought I was actually really glad that he answered that question in that way because he's kind of setting the tone, right? Like he's not here to have fun. He's not here to play game. Well, he's here to have fun a little bit, but he's not here to play games. And, you know, uh, and, and, and take this as like a joyride coasting, you know, Los Angeles vacation. He's here to be serious and win an NBA championship. And whether or not that happens this year, like he's, he's made it clear that that's not how he, he determines success, which I think is fair. Um, but he is approaching it and everything that he said today and just like the way he was behaving generally 
suggests to me that he is taking this a thousand, like, not that I needed convincing, but he's taking this a thousand percent seriously. And I'm just, it made me even more excited because he, he was talking all this stuff about how like, oh, I need to have more patience. And then like, I would keep wanting to call her Allie LaForest, but that's not her name. What's that new oh, girl's she, name? Allie LaForce works for CBS. Yeah. Uh, Allie Clifton? It is Allie. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're go. right. Allie Clifton. Yeah, Allie Clifton was like laughing when, because she's covered him for like the last six years or so, was laughing when he said he needed to be more patient um, because apparently he's not, he has a reputation for not being super patient. But frankly, that's what our guys need. If anything, I'm thinking of like 2008 LeBron or 2009 LeBron. Who, you know, he had those doubts of whether or not he was that guy. And it seems, you know, kind of silly 10 years later to be like, oh, what? He changed? But clearly at some point he changed. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited. I, you know, obviously you're always excited to get LeBron. But when I heard him talk today, it made me even more pumped up. I think the word to use with regards to LeBron is poise, right? He looked more poised in the superstar. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Brandon Ingram looked poised in a young, developing, maturing human being and young man. But LeBron James is poised in the, I'm a superstar. I know my place in history. Um, I've signed on for four years. Nobody is going to, even if I say something like, we've got a long way to go to get to Golden State, I don't measure this year by a championship. A lot of people are going to take those lines and, and words and say, oh my God, LeBron James checked out. But LeBron James isn't worried about that anymore. He knows the long game here. That's why he committed for four years. So, Alan, I guess, what are your thoughts on, yeah, that strange dichotomy of, LeBron James coming into things with these measured expectations when every year up until this point, it was championship or bust. So to kind of hear him say all of a sudden, look, we got to start from scratch here. We've got a long way to go. Hopefully someday we'll put ourselves in a position to compete for a championship in a way that kind of does sound like he's waving the white flag. But I guess for you, why does it feel different when he says it? And and why are you able to disconnect, like, I guess, disassociate that from what the haters are saying in terms of, oh, I see, I told you guys, he's willing to wait out, he's willing to sit this year out, essentially. I mean, it's objectively the truth. We do have to start from scratch. We are nothing like the Warriors or the Celtics or the Rockets or anything, right? Like, they already have their teams for the most part, their lineups, their rotations, all that stuff has been set for at least a year, if not obviously more. So, when he says we're starting from scratch and it's a process that we have to enjoy and get through and blah, 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 it may sound like, um, you know, like generic kind of answers or like you said, waving in, waving the white flag, but it's the truth. I don't know how else you can really spin it other than that way. Um, so if anything, it's just him being very aware and uh, just communicating transparently. But um, as far as him, like understanding where this team is at, he did say something today about, you know, mentoring and we've heard. Um, that word get thrown around like, oh, you know, we brought in all these vets who have championship experience. They mentor the young guys, teach them how to win, all that kind of stuff. But LeBron went as far to say, you know, like we can rotate who we mentor every single day and actually focus. So one day my guy might be Kuzma. And then the next day Rondo is going to mentor Kuzma explicitly. And then the next day Bees is going to work with Kuz and like it'll just rotate. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it just reminds me of like school, you know, if you had like some sort of mentorship program with upperclassmen and lowerclassmen 
and the upperclassmen who have done really, really well in college or high school or whatever will work with the younger people. And it's not like this is my guy all year long, but get, gaining those different perspectives um, is extremely valuable. And it shows just how much thought LeBron and the entire team has really put into this idea of mentorship and building sustainable success. Um, because every individual, you know, young guy, every, Lonzo, Kuzma, Brandon, um, if they don't just have like their vet, like you hear that phrase or that idea tossed around going all the way back to the eighties and the seventies, like, Oh, you know, that was my vet or that was my guy. If everybody's everybody's vet and everybody's guy, they're going to be better off for it. So, um, if anything, that should just expedite this entire process. Not that we're looking to be impatient, but I really do like that idea. Yeah, for me, you know, I think the more generic, generic wrote response that we typically hear from LeBron is, yo, it's only about a championship. We're going to win it this year, no matter what. And we're going to beat the doubters and all that stuff. But I feel like and this, I guess, I, I think, again, shows LeBron's maturation as a human being as well to be able to read the room and understand that, yeah, I've got Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee flanking me some veterans. But at the end of the day. He knows his audience, and his audience is Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, these young guys. And to set up expectations in this very measured way, I think is very smart on his part. Not only to not freak out the young guys, even though I don't think they'd be freaked out if LeBron James was like, yo, we're going all in, championship all the way, we're gonna get we're gonna take down the Warriors. Not only for the young guys to not kind of get freaked out and shell-shocked, but also just to continue. I, I have no doubt in my mind that in the back of his head, he's still like, yo, it only takes one or two injuries to, or, or one or two weird things to shake out for us, for the door to open, for me to just, you know, still drag this team to the, to the finals and win a championship. You know, in the back of his head, I'm sure he's thinking that. But I just like that he's also very savvy with his words. And like you said, self-aware. One, he knows his audience, the, this group of young guys, he wants to bring them along, and obviously things could will will change very quickly after the first month, after the second month, after the third month. We'll probably be getting uh, different sorts of rhetoric from LeBron James. You can bet on that if things aren't going his way. But right now, I think he's reading the room very well, and I just like that measured take and response from him. Uh, Tommy, I don't know if you had anything to say about him just... Uh, yeah, I think just keeping expectations in check while possibly in the back of his head, he's like, yo, we're going to we're going to take this league by the storm, by storm. I don't know what the phrase is, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I really like the way that and I know there's a lot of ways to be. I'm sure there is a percent or a portion of the population who would watch a clip of LeBron saying that he doesn't measure success by winning championships and there's only one champion and. You know, we'd pin that as a tweet and just play it every two days and, like, talk about how much of a loser LeBron is and he doesn't really care. And I just don't really view it like that. I I, I think there is a downside to having an all-or-nothing approach um, sometimes. Like you said, one of the big ones is you freak everybody out. You know what I mean? It's like, if you come in LeBron James, well, we better win a championship or else I'm not going to be happy you have to do what you're capable of doing. There's a team in the Western Conference that has five All-Stars in the starting lineup by the time the playoffs start. You know, and it, it just, you have to be realistic and, you know, you have to accept, he didn't say, you know, oh, our goal is to win 40 games or our goal is to just make the playoffs as long as we can squeak us in, that's fine with me. He just, 
he just said that it's not a failure if we don't win the championship. And I think that's like a really, you know, like a really positive way of looking at things. Um, there's a lot of things that could go well. You know, people are not expecting them to be a top four seed. Maybe they make a top four seed. Maybe they make a top two seed. Maybe they make a deep playoff run. You know, these are all things that are wins and those are positive. And it's rare that a team goes from, you know, 35 wins to winning the championship the next year if it's ever happened. You know, so there, it doesn't matter who you add. So there, there, I, I think that's like a, a, it's a mature stance from him. And, I think an overall positive stance, it just shows that, you know, there are certain guys that are wired to say things a certain way because that's just what you're supposed to say. Oh, we always have to win. Oh, you know, we anything less than a championship is, is a failure. And, and, and there's guys who can take a more measured, you know, reasonable approach and perspective. And I think that's what LeBron has shown that he's willing to do. It's not accepting failure, but it's saying that just because X happens does not mean, and it wasn't like the, the pinnacle of the sport doesn't mean that it was a failure. Hey, this is Brian from the almighty baller podcast network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair, and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information, and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, uh, plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Yeah, and I think this season with the Lakers and coming to such a young group, in a way... What he's saying now sort of parallels what he said when he came back to Cleveland. He didn't automatically say we're winning a championship. He talked about the young guys first and helping them develop and bring bringing them along. I think what LeBron is looking for is incremental improvement and progress. And let's say, and it's going to be dependent on how the Lakers do month by month, you know, let's say we are steamrolling the league and by after by December, Let's say we have 25 to 30 wins. At that point, LeBron James is probably going to change his tune and say, we're going for the championship this year. I don't I don't know if the guys are ready or not, but it seems like they're ready to ball. Uh, we're going to get past the hiccups and all that, and uh, we're going to win. We're going to go for the championship, you know, so it's dependent on how this season goes. And there's no reason for LeBron James to get ahead of himself, you know, or, or get or have the other guys get ahead of themselves either. So I think he understands this is going to be a process and it's going to be incremental. And I, I just like that approach overall. I think it's very smart. Uh, with that said, um, before we move on to some of our other topics, the rotational minutes, predicting the most interesting Lakers storyline, the last guy I want to talk about in terms of Lakers media day is Rajon Rondo. Um, just because I think for all of us, there has been a 180 flip on our perception of him and 
for me, it's like uh, what's after 360, 180, 360, and then 540. It's like a five. Nice. <laughs> it's like a 540 so rotational cycle, and then, some. <laughs> and, then, and then some with Rajon Rondo because this guy, and I guess this just shows how out of tune I've been with just uh, before this season, even when Rajon Rondo was with the Celtics, I pretty much tuned anything and everything he said out, right? I hated him, et cetera, et cetera. So I had never actually listened to a Rajon Rondo interview in an objective fashion before. But since he became a Laker and since I delved into more of his interviews with people and just the types of thoughtful, intelligent, poignant answers he gives... And also very candid as well. They're not rote answers. You know, I think that's what I appreciate about him. This guy just commands so much respect and reverence. And you can see it from all the guys, like what what Lonzo Ball said about Rajon Rondo, or Rajon, uh, what Kuzma said about him. Um, Even the unsolicited ways that Rajon Rondo talked about the young core without the media members even baiting him to do so, you know? He brought up that Kuzma story on his own. I love this guy, and it's crazy to say. And I'm knowing I might piss off some Lakers fans by saying this. Why don't you marry him if you love him so much? But I actually think if we had to choose between Rajon, one year of Rajon Rondo and one year of Julius Randle, because essentially, if we had kept Julius Randle, Rajon Rondo wouldn't be here. We would have had to pick another bargain bin sort of veteran point guard. Tyler Ennis? <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I think that I would actually prefer this scenario because, for one thing, just objectively speaking, Julius Randle was kind of redundant with Kyle Kuzma being able to play the four, LeBron James coming in, obviously. And obviously, Rajon Rondo fills a position of need in at point guard behind Lonzo Ball or maybe in front of Lonzo Ball. Who knows? Um, but... Outside of that, just the influence he's had on the locker room and the young guys before we've even had a locker room atmosphere, before the season has even begun, I think has been so instrumental. And I've been saying it on Twitter, but you see those pictures of him and LeBron just totally connecting. And it reminds me of the Kobe Bryant and Derek Fisher dynamic. You know, obviously the skill sets and everything are different, but just in terms of the bond that Fisher and Kobe were able to uh, established with one another and the trust that they gained with one another. I think that's exactly what's going to happen with LeBron James and Rajon Rondo if that hasn't already happened. And just the fact that we have this dude outside of LeBron to mentor Lonzo, Kuzma, and show him, show them his maniacal way of watching film, training, seeing the game, and being able to translate that to other players and translate it onto the court. It's so invaluable and I Yeah, I don't know. I, I've just become, I think, enthralled and entranced by Rajon Rondo. And he even, one thing that he said today, and this just shows you how how deeply he delves into things, what, what a sponge he is. He brought this up without, usually reporters are the ones who bring these types of stats up or whatever, these types of tid, historical tidbits. But he's actually the one who said, I'm looking to be the first player to wear a Celtics uniform and a Lakers uniform to win a championship because there have been players that have played for both the Celtics and the Lakers, but there has been no player in NBA history to win a championship as a Celtic and win a championship as a Laker. And I was like, damn. He even named all of them too. He was like, Bill Sharman, Rick Fox, blah, blah, blah. He went down the list. He's insane. So Alan, I mean, you're already talking. Your thoughts on, on Rajon Rondo. Yeah. Um, I mean, LeBron said he praised the heck out of Rondo, too. He's like, 
you know, obviously we battled in the past and all that kind of stuff, but the opportunity to play with a guy who's on the same cerebral level as me. And he even said, the second we step on that court, we're not even going to have to speak to each other. We're already going to know what each other is thinking. We'll just have to shoot each other a look and it'll happen. And that reminded me of, you know, Kobe and Pow. There's always that one clip where he passes it to Pow and they're both like making goo goo eyes at each other in the in the finals. And um, I mean, they had that type of connection. Like you mentioned Kobe and D Fish. And um, yeah, LeBron said pretty much the exact same thing today. But you're right. I mean, I despised Rondo <laughs> from from 2008. And it's funny because like Luke even brought it up today when he was being interviewed that he's like, I don't, even though he took a championship away from us, he's like, I, I don't want to talk about any of that. So he still harbors bitterness from those days. Um, but right now, man, I freaking love this guy. And um, like you said, he's just extremely thoughtful. He's just like stupidly intelligent, you know, and Kobe would always, he told that story a few times where Rondo's the kind of guy who, if he's watching a movie that has a plot hole in it, something just doesn't make sense. He'll get up in the middle of the movie and just leave. Like he'll just stop watching. Cause he's like, this is stupid. This doesn't make sense. And he's so obsessive and like ridiculously intelligent that it drives him crazy. So you can only imagine on the basketball court, how he, you know, how he processes things. And he said a number of times to various people, like, you know, one day I want to coach one day. I want to be, he told Bresnahan when he first signed with us in July that he wants to be a general manager someday. So I think we could all see him being general manager Rondo at some point in his career. Um, so it's just, it's so exciting dude. Like I, I can't wait. Um, obviously to see him get out there, but to see the type of effect that he's going to have on all the young guys, not just Lonzo, but every single person on this team is going to learn so much from him. And, um, he's going to be like, like LeBron is already like a coach on the floor type of person. Well, Rondo is exactly that as well. So you're going to have two coaches on the floor at times. And, um, so many times in the past, like we've watched Laker basketball in the last few years. And it's just been like, what the F are we doing? Right? Like this makes absolutely no sense. There's no flow. They look lost out there, whatever it is. And I'm not trying to get people so hyped up that things are just gonna be clicking on all cylinders from day one. But I think we're just going to experience so many moments of like pure elation because the basketball is so beautiful just because of these guys, basketball IQ and just like IQ in general. So I'm, I'm freaking stoked. And if the basketball isn't beautiful, you can bet that Rajon Rondo will let you know about it because he's the type of guy <laughs> you know, bite that your tells head it like off, it dude. is, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's going to bite yeah. your head off. Exactly. And just the attention that he commands is, it, it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's really cool to see. And I, I wanted to watch his interviews immediately after LeBron's because of what I knew that I was going to take away from it, essentially. But yeah, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Rajon Rondo and not to put words in your mouth but have you thought about that randall rondo dynamic and whether or not if you've taken a step back to say huh actually obviously we'd love to have julius randall but to lose out on this rondo experience even if it's only a year i'd maybe almost rather prefer it yeah so it's a tough question and and i you know look i'm gonna probably default to the laker friendly you know way of thinking of things just because that's as a Laker fan, you tend to like rationalize. I was just saying everybody else rationalizes, but we, we, we do. We, over time, we'll rationalize certain decisions that the team makes. So 
I'm trying to balance that against how I actually feel. And I guess when we first signed Rondo, like most of us, I was just shocked and I was kind of offended and, and confused <laughs> that they would do something like this. But over time, and we've talked about it multiple times on the show, I've watched more and more video and, and read more about him and looked at his, you know, more advanced metrics and, just hearing him today, it kind of put everything together too. Uh, like all of that stuff came together. And like you said, um, like both of you guys said, hearing how everybody else talked about him kind of brought everything together for me. But I would say at this point that I would probably take Rondo, at least for just this year. You know, there's a bunch of different factors. Randall's a super interesting young prospect who has a decade plus of NBA life ahead of him. Um, Rondo is not that in that same position, but for where we are right now, there are not a lot of point guards in the entire league, um, who can mimic what Lonzo ball does. And I know that feels absurd to say, you know, there's not a lot of people who can mimic what a 20 year old point guard does, but I think that's true, right? Like we don't know of very many backup point guards in the NBA who can keep up the same pace that Lonzo did. And that was one of the huge problems our team had last year was that whenever Lonzo was out with an injury or whenever he had to sit on the bench, uh, you know, to rest or whatever, it we couldn't keep that same vigorous pace going the entire night. And it's in a way almost invaluable to have somebody who can just sl- you can slot right in. He's basically, you know, you don't really lose that much defensively. Lonzo's one of the better point guard defenders in the NBA, at least of, as of last year. So... You lose a little bit, but you don't lose a ton going to the bench defensively with Rondo. Um, what he you know, lacks in maybe quickness and other skills that he used to have when he was younger, he makes up for with experience um, and strength and physicality. So you don't lose a ton there. You don't lose a ton of scoring as far as what we know from Lonzo last year. And you don't lose a ton in terms of ability to push the pace. So... Pete, a long time ago, came on this uh, came on the podcast and, and and talked about the forty eight minutes of hell. And with Rondo, we're able to do that. And with no other player on the team, are we really able to do that? And I'm frankly, I'm including LeBron on that. You really need a point guard who's going to initiate and be the driver for everybody else. You can tell everybody else, grab it and go, grab it and go. None of them are going to make as quick decisions as Rondo or Lonzo. And none of them are going to be able to make the have the vision or make the types of plays that those two guys can make. So, in that sense, it's almost more. It's you know, in a lot of ways, more valuable. And then obviously, you get into like the roster construction, the way that our team is built. Is Julius Randle, you know, would he be able to find a ton of minutes with LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, uh, both taking up minutes um, uh, in the front court? And obviously that's not even including JaVale and uh, some of the other guys we signed like Beasley. And, you know, obviously Randall is better than a lot of our other backup options. But in terms of who's going to be out there closing a game, Rajon Rondo is much more likely to be out there closing a game, whether, it, you know, sharing the court with Lonzo or as a Lonzo replacement, than Randall would be, you know, as a replacement for LeBron or Kyle Kuzma. So in in that sense, you know, that's another reason that I think I'd rather have uh, Rondo over Randall. And uh, yeah, it's crazy that I've come to this point, <laughs> given where I started. But 
this actually, I think, ended up working out well. We, you know, no team can draft five top five picks or four top five picks in a row and keep all of them. Um, it just won't work out, you know, in, in terms of money, even if you get lucky that they all fit position wise. But, you know, eventually moves had to get, had to be made and it sucks to lose Randall, but man, it, it feels so good to replace him with, with somebody like Rondo. And when you think about who we had back there, Tyler Ennis and Alex Caruso for most of last season, uh, I'm not going to count it cause he was, it felt like he, he was just a rental for like a month or something, but for compared to those two guys, it is such, such a huge upgrade. I can't even, you know, you can't even say like that, that difference in that upgrade is so much bigger than the difference between Julius Randle and whoever our backup center is going to be. And obviously that's a big, you know, difference too, but that's how the, the point guard situation at backup for us last year was so bad. So. Yeah. And also just talking about the cap implications, we were going to need that money, Julius Randle's money um, off the books anyways. And Rajon Rondo, he's essentially just going to be wiped off. And actually, if we're talking about who's more likely to be taking, willing to take a discount next year, if he wants to come back, it's going to be Rondo and not Randle. And don't be surprised if, let's say the Lakers don't get Kevin Durant as our second superstar well, then that means our ma- our second max guy will cost around thirty to thirty one million, which will leave the Lakers around six to eight million left in change to work with. Right? Don't be surprised if they give that to Rondo, you know, and don't be surprised if Rondo takes that and signs on for a multi year deal because I think he will be that valuable to the Lakers' young core moving forward in their development as future contenders. Did you want to say something, Tom? Oh, I was just going to add that. Even if we do spend it on a guy like Kevin Durant, Rondo's getting older, right? And he's seemingly more and more willing to fall into that, you know, mentorship sure. role. So maybe he even takes a I'm not saying he takes a long term deal, but we will have like the mid level exception or whatever they call it. I, for, true, true. You know, whatever that the exception. Room mid-level. Yeah, the one that's like five million or so. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have that that we can throw out there if he, you know, maybe he takes that for a year and then the following year we'll have the room exception, right? Which is, or whatever the one that's more, the one that's like 7 million or 8 million, mm-hmm. the taxpayer, the taxpayer exception. So that, you know, there's, a, a, there's just a lot of ways that this could work out for us long term. I think Rondo is such a smart guy and he clearly seems to have in mind, uh, towards coaching, so who knows what he decides to do with the rest of his career. Maybe he really likes it in L.A. and he decides to stay and takes slightly less money to do so. And for all those reasons, good job, front office. Yay. Yay. Rondo. All right. With that said, let's turn it over to, I guess, and let's try and do rapid fire on this. But let's talk about what we think is going to be the most interesting Lakers storyline this season. And by interesting, I mean, what's what the media is going to focus in on the most and probably uh, put out there to the public. It may also be the most controversial storyline. I'm interested to see how you guys took this question. I'll start first because it's an, it's a, it's a simple segue um, into what we were just talking about. But for me, the most interesting storyline that I think is going to be covered ad nauseum will be the Rondo versus Lonzo dynamic. Um, and unfortunately for Lonzo Ball, he is just objectively starting off behind because of his injury. And so he's going to have to play some catch-up. And you already see the LeBron and Rondo dynamic with each other, gaining that rapport for each other. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we can pit Lonzo Ball and Rondo against each other and say 
just defensively, Lonzo Ball is better, you know? And that all that may be true, and net rating and all that, Lonzo Ball may be better. But at the end of the day, it only matters how LeBron perceives the situation and who he trusts, and that goes for Luke Walton as well. And on the outset, I think he's just naturally going to trust Rondo the most. So I think this back and forth, especially if Lonzo Ball continues to linger with his rehab, he's 100% cleared apparently. Again, we don't know what that means, whether he's going to start playing. That made playing. no sense. That, don't even get and, me started on this. On this okay, let's, <laughs> we, we won't, you can uh, insert it as part of your answer, but whether or not he plays a couple preseason games, I mean, he's already starting off on the wrong foot, playing from behind, and Rondo is... You know, he's already gaining the love from LeBron and all these guys. And, you know, the moment he he steps on court as the starter and we're gelling, well, I don't know. Is Lonzo Ball going to have to settle with coming off the bench? So I just think it's an interesting storyline. I think right now they're saying all the right things. And Rondo's obviously said, look, I'm here to be Lonzo Ball's mentor, obviously. And Lonzo Ball is just soaking it all up and enjoying having that discipleship from Rondo. But what happens when the minutes begin to crunch and begin to cannibalize each other, you know? So I think that's why I think it might end up becoming the most interesting Lakers storyline, whether or not it's actually a storyline in the locker room itself. But uh, Alan, what do you think is going to be the Lakers' most quote-unquote interesting storyline this season? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely going to go with uh, just minute distribution uh, between young core versus the vets. But if you really boil it down, like, okay, well, which vets are really going to be clamoring for that much more significant playing time over the young guys? Because, quite frankly, the young guys are just better, right? Like, I don't really see Lance Stevenson going freaking crazy, right, saying that he should be playing more minutes than Josh Hart or he should be playing more at the three instead of, like, Brandon Ingram or something. So if we were to reduce it, it really does come down to, like you said, Rondo and Lonzo. And... um I mean, beyond like the injury stuff, let's say Lonzo does come back healthy and doesn't really have any physical ailments or whatever, anything significant, but there are times where Rondo's just flat out playing better, you know? Um, obviously, at this, where the Lakers are at as a team, we're just going to go with the hot hand, and that's that has always been uh, Luke's, um, his mantra, right, when, when it comes to this team, is just especially this year's competitiveness, but even in the past, he's just gone with who's playing well. And, uh, yeah, anytime that happens this season, there's going to be a, a huge flare-up for sure, like you already kind of mentioned. So I don't want to be super redundant and like hear, have uh, people listening to the same points over and over. But, um, I mean, thankfully, from what we can tell, Alonzo is not the kind of guy who's going to complain about a lack of minutes, right? Even if he isn't playing well, he seems like the type who will take responsibility. And uh, it's always team first anyway. So... You know, like you said, internally, not probably not going to be an issue. Um, but as far as the national media and all the narratives that we're going to have to deal with and hear about for a really long time, um, yeah, it'll probably get annoying and we're going to have to debate it amongst ourselves, even though we're all kind of on the same page. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going with the same thing as you. Yeah, and hopefully it'll just light a fire under Lonzo Ball um, if that scenario happens. And I like how you talked about the the objective competition, positional competition, because if you look at all the positions, Rondo has the strongest case in terms of even making it debatable, I guess outside of KCP and Josh Hart, which we can get to later. But I guess, Tommy, what what are your thoughts on um, what what is the most 
potentially interesting storyline to you? I think the most interesting storyline for me is going to be if the team gets off to a slow start, and I mean like, you know, five and five in the first ten games, which in the grand scheme of thing, uh, grand scheme of the season, and then the, you know, considering how difficult the beginning of our season schedule is actually, um, I really don't think is is a bad record at all to start the season. But if we do start five and five and the media starts to go nuts and there's all this chatter and this and that, what happens with Luke Walton? I, I like the front office I know is is standing behind him and taking a firm stance, but I'm wondering what the tipping point would be. I know everybody's coming into the season superficially with and you know, at least outwardly with no expectations, but it's natural to have some expectations. Um I think these guys in the front office built this team and they have an idea in their head of where they think they're going to end up. And if Luke is, you know, gets off to a, you know, mediocre start and then, you know, we're a month into two months into the season and we're hovering around the seventh seed or so, is that, is that going to be a storyline? Are they going to say, okay, look, now we've put together this roster that we objectively think is super stacked and deep at every position is now the issue that our coaching staff is not experienced enough. I mean, Luke is coaching a lot of guys. This is not the same situation as the previous two years where although Luke was the youngest or, you know, one of the youngest coaches, um, in the NBA, he was still twice the age of most of his players, right? Um, we're now in a situation where, you know, Luke has played in the league at the same time that a lot of these guys, uh, you know, were in their primes. Um, he's competed in the finals against Rajon Rondo. Um, he's not that much. I mean, he's like five old, five years older than some of these guys, you know what I mean? So it's, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. And his, it's not like he's, it's not like a Steve Kerr situation where he's got this whole crew of assistant coaches who are all, you know, established vets, especially this guy who I'm blanking on, of course, his name right now, but Steve Kerr's like defensive guru, the guy, he's kind of balding and he wears glasses. You'll see him on the bench. Oh, yeah. Um, that was, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that dude is like Steve Kerr's defensive guru. Ron and, Adams. You know, Exactly. And he always has, uh, you know, a main assistant, Mike Brown or, um, uh, oh God, of course now I'm Alvin Gentry. <laughs> um, he's always got somebody there with a, like a ton of experience by his side. And Luke doesn't have that. Luke has a bunch of guys who are as experienced as he is for the most part. And that's not to say they're bad coaches. I mean, if anything, we've seen Miles Simon do some amazing things with our young guys, um, and get a lot of hype around the league. Um, but it's I, I think that could be one interesting storyline is where does the coaching what happens with the the media scrutiny of the coaching and and the you know the pressure on the front office and how how everybody involved in the situation reacts to that. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. 
Visit TurboTax.com today. For sure. I think you're forgetting about Lord Farquaad, a.k.a. Jesse Mermies, though. Jesse Mermies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Merman. Wait, so that's... <laughs> mer, mer, that... man. Mer, mer, man. <laughs> Uh, okay, that transitions us really easy into, Alan, I'll turn this question over to you. Is Luke Walton ready for this? And really quickly, I think even if we look back to when he first, his his the way that his career started as a player, I think he's, and, and obviously it remains to be seen whether this is going to play out, but in terms of looking for a guy who can bridge the gap between the young dudes and understanding what it feels like to be an up and coming young player and then have all this expectation heaped upon you and then having to deal also with these new big personalities. I feel like Luke Walton from his, not only just his coaching days, but his playing days understands that to the fullest. And I'm not even just talking about, yeah, he played with Shaq and Kobe, obviously, but just the way that his rookie season went, if you remember, he played in game two of the finals, right? All of a sudden they inserted him and he had to make some big plays and Shaq said it himself. You know, that Luke Walton kid's the only guy who can get me the ball. You know, so he, even in that snapshot of a moment, understands what it's like to all of a sudden be a rookie and then have to perform when someone expects you to perform. And he did it. And arguably, because he was drafted the same year as LeBron James, right? Yes. So if you just compare their rookie seasons, he had a more meaningful rookie season than LeBron. That's a really good point. Nice. (laughs) Damn. Damn, 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 son. So if we're just talking about even from his playing experience, understanding what it's like to be under that enormous spotlight, being able to relay that to Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and telling them, hey, I was in this position during the finals when they needed me the most. You know, we were struggling against the Pistons. Obviously, we ended up losing. But just to come up big in that moment under the spotlight and under the big personalities of Shaq and Kobe, that's invaluable experience. He's used to dealing with big personalities he knows what it's like to be a young noob amidst all of this. And um, yeah, I just think he's the perfect guy to quote unquote bridge the gap. And I think he gets it. And then if you just look at his coaching career, he coached the Golden State Warriors for that period of time while Steve Kerr was was dealing with his uh, his, his back issues and whatnot. Fluid yeah, his spinals. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so even in that sense, the all of the high expectations and personalities that a contending team like the Golden State Warriors had, he was able to uh, put up with that. And in, and in turn, I think he just has a good sense of perspective on on both ends of the spectrum. So, yeah, Alan, what are your thoughts on is Luke Walton ready for this? I think he's definitely ready for it. And, I mean, when it comes to, like, X's and O's, for example, when you have LeBron James on your team, <laughs> I mean, X and O's, X's and O's become slightly less relevant. You know what I mean? So it – Again, it goes all back to managing personalities. And, I mean, as you said, the guy, even before his playing career, he grew up with this, with his dad and, like, growing up in the Celtics locker room and, you know, making mischief with all the players and things like that on those teams. So um, I I think that he was, like, he was born ready, (laughs) just like Lance Stevenson is born ready, you know? (laughs) Like, he's he's got this, man. And if there are problems, which inevitably there's going to be tension here and there, there's going to be stress, there's going to be all kinds of stuff going on. Because he's a master communicator, uh, and so many people have endorsed him in terms of just really understanding people 
And that may sound like, oh, that's a soft skill. Like, who cares? That that stuff isn't very important. When it comes to like professional athletes, I think that's arguably the most important thing. And it goes beyond schematics. So um, while I do think, just like with any team, if this if we are not uh, performing up to expectations, whatever that may be, he's of course he's going to get the blame. He's the coach, right? Like, who else are you going to blame? You're not going to blame LeBron. And you're not really going to blame a bunch of the young guys. So blame always goes to the coach. But um, I feel like Luke is also the type of guy who can compartmentalize pretty well. And if there is a bunch of chatter and stuff like that. I mean, we even saw it last year when LeVar was calling for his head. And then all of a sudden, um, everyone in the front office had to endorse him, which always kind of feels like it's the precursor to something really bad happening. Um, And he dealt with it, I would say, masterfully. We started playing really well at that point. so inevitably I think there's going to be talk if we struggle, but, um, yeah, I, I think he'll be completely fine. Cool. Um, so that's an easy segue as well in terms of talking about the first half of the season, how it goes and whether or not it'll shake out right. Let's segue into what that first half may actually look like for the Lakers in terms of their record and what the schedule, what what the schedule lays out for us this upcoming October, November, December. We'll, we'll use December as the uh, quote unquote midway mark for the Lakers. Um, Tommy, I don't know how deeply you went into the schedule during the first few months of the Lakers season, but I think we had this conversation earlier. You know, we've every season we've gone through um, their opponents and whether or not they were back to backs, which games were on the road, and we'd have a preliminary, you know, uh, record of how we thought they'd do in October, November, December. But I remember talking to you a couple of weeks ago, and we were just like, you know, as I was going through this exercise, I just realized that LeBron James changes everything. I know that sounds like an obvious statement, but you don't really, it doesn't really hit you till you're actually do checking off win, win, win. Okay, maybe he'll lose here, but still might be a win. You know, it's so different from what we had last year and just the, the last couple of years. So for me, it's just, it's hard for me to see him losing to Miami, even if it's on the road on the second night of a back-to-back after playing in Orlando the night before. Last year's Lakers, sure, we maybe have a 30% chance of winning that Miami game on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. But with LeBron, it's like 60 to to 70%, we have a good shot of winning that game. So I'm counting that as a win anyways. So it was hard for me to kind of look at this objectively. But I guess what are your thoughts on like the the quote-unquote first half of the Lakers season through 36 games and how you see um, their record shaking out in that time span? And you can be as general or as specific as you want to be. I'm going to keep it pretty general. I will say that just by looking at the the schedule at a high level, we have a fairly easy um, first few months of the season, I think. I think like our first week or so is like pretty interesting. Um, Opening on the road at Portland is like completely insane to me. And then our home opener against Houston, also equally insane. Um, We could get off to a really poor start. Um, well, I shouldn't say really poor. We could easily end up losing our first two games though. Um, but I think on the whole, our first, you know, until December or January or so is actually relatively easy compared to what we've had in some previous years. I think our middle portion of the season is, could be a little bit dangerous. We start playing a lot of tough teams, um, but that's beyond the scope of this a little bit. I, I will say, I think we could legitimately, Let's see, after the first 36 games, Mm -hmm. I think we could legitimately be like, I don't know, 
26 and 10 is that like crazy i honestly think we could get off to like crazy yeah a pretty good start like i think we could be in a position where we're a top three team by the time all-star voting happens um and which is why i think we could have a surprise all-star on our team this year yeah, so I actually, I, I went a little deeper into this and actually did the month-by-month month thing. And actually, I'll, I'll kind of, spoiler alert, uh, give my record. And I actually have the Lakers, if all every, if everything shakes out relatively well, my record for them would be 25-11 and 11 through 36 games. Um, if everything goes wrong and it takes slower than expected to get off the ground, then I have us, I, I'm also, I also would not be surprised if we ended up 22-14. and 14. But... Like having outlined it month by month, I, I actually legitimately came out with twenty five and eleven. And Alan, let to make this interesting for the listeners, let's go month by month. I don't know if you did this. I did. But perfect. All right, Alan. So what's your record for the Lakers in the month of October? Five and three. Six and two. All right. So not that off. Who were your who were your losses for the Lakers in October? Uh Denver, second night of a back to back. I had us losing at San Antonio. And then I had us actually losing at Minnesota. I got us with three L's in a row because we got off to a hot start. Wait, yeah, you, I was going to say you have us winning our first two games. I do, dude. Damn, son. <laughs> I just think it's too lit, man. Wait, we have a back-to-back in Denver? 24th is at Phoenix, and then 25th is home against Denver. Oh, shit. I totally read that wrong then. Oh, you're right. Okay, that's definitely a loss. <laughs> okay, I'm revising to five and three as well. My losses were to Houston at home, which kind of sucks for the home opener. Um, and then I have us losing to San Antonio on the road. Yeah, so I'll have it at five and three as well. Um, but yeah, with the losses being Houston, San Antonio, and Denver, second night of a back-to-back. Um, all right, Alan, what about November? I have us going nine and four and then ending that this stretch like 15 and six essentially okay i have us eight and five at that point oh okay so fairly similar um my losses are to portland to toronto those are back-to-back losses um and then i have us losing to utah and denver later in the year or later in that month i have yeah i have portland toronto i actually do have miami on that back-to-back hmm. i have utah and i have at denver Gotcha. All right. So at this point, what's your record? I have it at 15 and six. I should be one less than that. So 14 gotcha. and, or, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 16 14 and, and seven. Yeah. Uh, so what about December? My record for December is 10 and five and December's a, is a, is a much tougher month. Oh, me too. Let's do them on three. <laughs> First loss. One, two, three. San Antonio. San Antonio. Oh shit. Okay. Second one. I actually. Yeah, San Antonio. Yes, I, I agree. San Antonio. <laughs> Second one. One, two, three. At Memphis. Memphis. Okay. Next Oof. one. Okay. One, Wait. Two. At Memphis. Come on. This is back to back. Back to back. Back to back. Back to back. It's back to back. Conley's healthy this year. It's on the road too. All right. Next one. One, two, three. At Houston. Houston. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next one. One, two, three. At Washington. Wizards. Yep. Back to back. Back to back. Uh okay, next one. Uh, shocker. One, two, three, Christmas Golden State. Warriors, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Ooh. ten and five. And at the end of this, I mean Alan, I think you're about one or I'm one two. win under you. So twenty four and twelve. I think I got two three months. Hold up, I got twenty three and thirteen. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I had twenty five and eleven, twenty four and twelve. So pretty much it's not out of that 
it's not out of the question that the Lakers could start off that that well. And I think my whole point in this exercise is LeBron James does change everything. Did you have that feeling, Alan, as you were going through yeah. it that you're like, especially, I just don't see LeBron losing. Especially here. at the beginning of the year, I'm like, there's no way we're gonna lose the first game of the season. There's no way we're gonna lose the second game of the season, which is the first home game, which is why Dude, I have that irrational. I think we could. I think we could easily go zero and two to start. But I, I do, do too. agree with the general sentiment, <laughs> sentiment that. Once you have LeBron, it's like you look at certain teams on the roster and it, or certain teams on the schedule, and it's like LeBron's not losing to that team. Come on, yeah, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, also like our percentages of winning every game were last year. Maybe you said what forty to fifty percent on any given night, yeah. thirty-five to forty percent. Every night, it's like sixty to seventy percent. We have a chance at winning that game. Oh yeah, that that's insane, you know. So you almost want to tip it over just naturally because of LeBron. But obviously, there are other factors in play, like fatigue, uh, the met, the guys not meshing well together, chemistry, all that jazz. Um, but yeah, for now, it seems like we all have are in consensus about the Lakers potentially if everything shakes out right. You know, being a top five sort of team in the West, and, and that's pretty good. And we'll have 25 wins that'll be the quickest of 25 wins we've had in in quite some time in pretty much six years did you do the uh, worst case scenario best case as well yeah so my worst my worst case scenario is probably around 20 wins yeah me too 20 and 16 so 20 and 16 yeah Yeah. my best was 26 and 10 so plus or minus three right right so it's right around that so um here's the hoping uh with that said we're going to close our show out talking about the rotation really quickly and just about the minutes distribution um, in much the same way to make it kind of organized. Alan, I thought we could go down and Tommy, you can give your input as well. We could go down the positions and give how we think those 48 minutes will be shared amongst each position. Um, so obviously let's start with point guard. Yep. Um, how, do, how do you have your 48 minutes shaking out? Uh, I have Lonzo at 27 and Rondo at 21. Damn, dude, that's exactly what I have. I'm oh, not even joking. What time did you do this? Um, I did this at like 5.30 today. Wait, say that one more time. Rondo 27, Lonzo 21. Other way around. Uh, other way. Oh, okay. Lonzo at 27, Rondo at 21. Last year, Lonzo Ball played 34 minutes, but obviously that was because his backup was Tyler Ennis and Caruso. This year is going to be a lot different, and if you remember D'Angelo Russell's tenure with the Lakers, he actually never averaged over 28 minutes. So it's actually not that unreasonable to think of Lonzo Ball, especially with how brittle he's been to start his career, getting 27 minutes and still you know, being a valuable contributor. Um, and obviously, just to preface the, as we go through the rest of these positional minutes, um, this is just the more simplified version of how we're doing things. Um, other guys will come into the fray here, like Zavima Kailu, Michael Beasley, Caruso's probably even going to get minutes. They're gonna, in, injuries are going to happen. So um, we just wanted to take a simplified approach to this in terms of there are 48 minutes in e- at each position, and this is how we ideally would like to see things shake out. So um, 27 minutes for Alonzo Ball, 21 minutes for Rajon Rondo generally throughout this season. Um, Alan, what about the shooting guard spot? How do you have that shaken out? I have KCP. Man, I was super cheap on this one. I did KCP 24 and Josh Hart 24 because I was like, I don't know. It's a freaking toss-up. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to I do that too. Fair, yeah, I have KCP 26, Josh Hart 20 minutes, mm. and Lance Stevenson with two minutes at that off-guard spot just because I think he's going to get two minutes. 
<laughs> uh, Tommy, do you have any thoughts at the shooting guard position? No, I, I really agree with uh, both of you guys. It's going to be super close. This is the one that, like, it's, like, non-controversial, so there's not going to be, like, a big spotlight on it because both of these guys are pretty good guys, I think. But I think both of them are going to perform at such a high level, it's going to be hard to, to split the minutes there. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to the small forward position, Alan. How do you how do you have things breaking? This down? is where it gets really fun. Um, so Bi twenty five, Kuzma Ooh. ten. This is a little nutty. Svi eight, Lance Ooh. five. I like that. Yeah. Svi with eight minutes. Svi's gonna that's, tell that's him, probably... dude. Oh, he is. He's gonna tell him. <laughs> um. So I have. B.I. with 31 minutes. I think he's essentially going to get most, if not all, of his minutes at the small forward position. Obviously, Luke Walton has said he's going to try. He has three or four different small ball lineups in his head, so I obviously wouldn't be surprised if B.I. is also playing power forward, but essentially I think he's going to get most of his minutes at the small forward spot. So B.I. with 31, Kuzma with 10, Lance Stevenson with 7, and that's pretty much 48 minutes, but I'm also leaving the door open for Svi to take some of those seven minutes from Lance eventually. Um, all right, power f- or out. Tommy, do you have anything to say about the, how the small forward position is going to shake out? No, the small forward, well, okay, the one thing, the small forward position I think is going to be by far and away our weirdest position in terms of who gets minutes there. I think we have like seven guys that could get minutes there, or eight even. It would not shock me at all if Spee gets minutes. Everybody's been super high on this guy. I don't think they'll hold him out just because he's a rookie. And if he's able to shoot, they will make minutes for him, whether it's at the three or somewhere else. Yep. All right. So the power forward position, Alan, how does it go for you? I got LeBron 25, Kuzma 15. So right now Kuzma's minutes are 25 total if you include small forward. Uh, I got Mm -hmm. B.I. at five. So combine that for him. He's got 30. And then I got super cool bees at three. Um, I have it shaken out like this. LeBron with 26 minutes. Kuzma with 18 minutes. So at this point, Kuzma is averaging 28 minutes per game. Uh, Beasley with four minutes. Um, That's 48 minutes. Um, Yeah. So right now I have Lonzo at 27 minutes per game. Rondo at 21 minutes per game. KCP at 26 minutes per game. Josh Hart about 20. Lance Stevenson about eight. And then, yeah, Beasley so far, four minutes. All right, center position. Well, actually, sorry, Tommy, power forward position. Any qualms with that? Or No, no, you, that all sounds good. Cool, center position. Here's where it gets super wacky yeah. or could potentially get super wacky. Alan, how are you distributing your 48 minutes there? JaVale, 18. Mo 12. Zoo, <laughs> 10. LBJ, 8. Nice. Okay, so I have something... S- Pretty similar, actually. Nice. I have JaVale at 18, LeBron James at 8. Oh. Um, I have Zoo, Mo, and Bees potentially splitting up the rest of those uh, 22, 22 minutes. Okay. I think Damn. Beasley gets about 10 minutes, and then either Zubots or Mo Wagner, whoever mm. ends up winning that positional battle at, at training camp, gets the remaining I 12 minutes. I think it might minutes. be Mo, as much as we all love Zoo. I think, no, I, I, I mean, think Zoo looks good, well. you know, but just fit. It's tough. I mean, I also think it's going to be positional and situational. Oh, for sure. You know, from night to night, and Zoo may get his shot here and there, but I don't think he's going to be averaging twelve. It minutes won't be as consistent the the for him. 
Yeah. And also with regards to LeBron James, I have I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, LeBron's going to play like 10 to 15." And I just don't see that happening. That's a lot. Maybe playoffs. Because they have to preserve Yeah, in the playoffs for sure. But 8 minutes I think is a good spot for him. He'll play 4 minutes like throughout the first 3 quarters. Crunch time. As a warm-up and then crunch time for sure the last 4 minutes he's playing at the small ball 5. So uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts on the center position? So center is actually the position I'm, I'm like most way, like definitely most interested in this year. I was one of the people who thought 10 to 15 for sure LeBron at the center when the offseason first started. And, you know, given the signings we made at the time. Over time, I bring that down probably 5 to 8, to be honest with you, uh, in terms of average. But I think weirdly, they're, I mean... First of all, I don't really think Mo Wagner is going to play for like half the year. I know that's like, I really like Mo Wagner. I think he's really good. But while everybody's been grinding and working and it's already hard for a rookie to make the transition, um, Mo Wagner, I mean, he said today during media day, he hasn't been able to do anything really, or like nearly as much as he wanted to do over the last couple of months since he got injured in summer league. Um, When you're a rookie... You know, you're not like super physically gifted. You're not the most in shape because you're coming from college, not the most in shape that you could be on a team with the kind of depth that we have. I know he's big, so he fills a void in that sense, but I would, it would not surprise me at all. Uh, And I know he's been working on defense and I know he's been working on a ton of skill stuff and, and all this and that, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he does not crack the rotation for at least the first third of the season. I could weirdly see, uh, and this is probably going to be a controversial thing that doesn't happen. I, I could weirdly see Michael Beasley getting minutes at the five um, mm-hmm. just because of the way we're going to play. And, you know, if Michael Beasley, Kuzma, and LeBron are all out there at the same time, who's really the five? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. Maybe they'll throw Beasley at the five because he has good length and on d- defense he can... You know, he doesn't have to move around so much, so he can guard the fives, but and he's a pretty good rebounder. So uh but I could I could weirdly see Beasley getting some minutes at the back of five if uh Zubots does not, you know, does not give us what, what uh we're all hoping for. I I could see those minutes going to Beasley in the beginning. Yeah, that's fair. Um so yeah, with that said, that's our rotational minutes breakdown, uh, what we predict to happen this season just on a very simplified general level. So Alan, what's your final tally of minutes per game based off of your breakdown? For me, it's Zoe with 27, Rondo with 21, KCP 26, Josh Hart 20, Lance Stevenson slash V Mikhailu 8 8ish minutes per game, Michael Beasley 10 to 14 minutes per game, Kuzma with 28 LeBron at 34, JaVale with 18, and then Zubats or Mo Wagner with about 12 minutes to share between them. Uh, I've got Zoe 27, Rondo 21, KCP 24, Hart 24, uh, Brandon Ingram 30, Kuzma 25, Svi 8, Stevenson 5. Uh, I got LeBron at 32. Uh, I've got Beasley at 3. JaVale 18, Mo 12, and then Zoo at 10. 
Cool. I, I forgot to mention uh, B.I. for me. Uh, he has 31 on my end. All right. With that said, we have gone long enough. We're excited for the Lakers season to start. We'll see what happens as the training camp progresses. They pretty much got four days and then it's on to preseason facing the Denver Nuggets on Sunday, September 30th. Uh, we will probably be having an episode after then just because we're going to be so hyped and so lit. So stay tuned for that. Lakers basketball, everybody. We are back. We out here. LeBron James. Kang. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There it is. So weird. That's so creepy. Uh, We are all grinning and laughing as creepily as Kawhi Leonard this season because we got the king. And we got some young cubs ready to let out their just can't wait to be a king roar. Uh, with that said, we'll catch you guys next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because, Alan? Yeah, well, uh, my name's uh, JaVale McGee. And uh, yeah, you guys got this podcast. And uh, uh, yeah, I just want to say what's up. That's how many more times I'm going to say what's up to you guys. And you know, rock that fanny pack. Fanny pack is so dope. And, you know, I got these crappy pockets in my shorts. So yeah. Hashtag fanny pack. Hashtag MUD, right? Uh, what does MUD stand for? Crap, I didn't look uh, it up. <laughs> mis- misunderstood. Yeah. Underappreciated. And determined. and determined, son. Nice. I wonder how long you worked on that. I like that. So good. Mud on my face. Just spread it all over my face, that mud mask. <laughs> yeah, give me that mud mask all over my face. All over my face. <laughs> we'll show them. All right, with that said. <laughs> In the face. We'll catch you guys. We'll catch you guys next time. It's lit. Lakers are back. The king is here. Let's go. Let's Just go. can't wait to be king. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.